G'day. Welcome to Lunch Money. Uh, we are the online and social media home for special situations, workouts and capital raising professionals. My name is Nick Samios. I'm the fund manager and director here at Hermes Capital and I am your Lunch Money host. So uh, once again, a very warm welcome. Um, our focus today is, uh, is we're going to be playing Executive Suite Moneyball uh, or Executive Suite uh, Supercoach. Uh, take your pick. We're going to be talking about uh, uh, special situations, be they turnarounds or uh, uh, mergers and acquisitions, and uh, getting the uh, the executive team right so that uh, those turnaround efforts or, or M&A efforts uh, get the best results. We've got a couple of uh, special guests that will help us uh, walk through uh, the discussion today, and we're going to start off by introducing our first guest, Brian Hughes. G'day, Brian. How are you going? Good morning or good afternoon. Uh, Brian is the chairman of Pitcher Partners. Uh, he's corporate advisory, corporate finance, uh, restructuring and turnaround specialist. Uh, what sort of stuff's been keeping you busy lately, Brian? Uh, yeah, we were having a bit of a chat prior to going live and uh, I was saying to Nick how it is in a little bubble over here in WA. We have uh, gold at record highs. We've got iron ore at almost record highs and that's, um, uh, you know, fueling a the whole mining services space, so that flows through the rest of the economy. So it's a very strange, uh, surreal world that WA is in, you know, when you look at the rest of the global economy. I'm actually going to have to get you to vouch for the fact that I am a native-born uh, West Australian so that I can return home. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll see what we can do about that. You're, you'll have trouble finding a house to live in. There's lowest vacancy rates in 12 years in Perth for rentals at the moment because everybody's wow. repatriated back here. Well, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? Mm. Repatriation and then secession, but that's another that's another story. And so, yeah. uh, and so, uh, is, there's not. What what about in the insolvency space? Is there much of that crossing your desk at the moment? It's actually been quiet, not surprisingly, because there is a bit of a boom on in some sectors. Uh, but you know, part of that's the same as for the rest of the country in terms of the government measures, uh, stimulus packages, uh, job keeper, and the likes have worked. So, you know, the changes in legislation, all of those things have pushed it down the road. Uh, you know, there'll be some sectors where the pain will eventually come home to, to roost. But look, you know, it's, it's so WA is always in its own little world. So it's very hard to read from here as to where it goes. But with the level of economic activity currently under, you know, happening, there's always going to be some fallout from that as well. So. So uh, I guess what uh, the, the price of a long Mac top up, what, what are those coffees that you have, those weird coffees, long <laughs> uh, Mac top up? Cost base is still pretty low. So, yeah, no, I think we, we got our coffee culture from Melbourne, mate, I think so. Oh. I'm, I'm blaming the Eastern Seaboard. I guess sort of just outside of the insolvency space, there's a fair bit of capital raising going on, uh, IPOs and that sort of stuff in WA. Yeah, lots. You know, it really has been good times for the uh, corporate lawyers. There's been yep. a lot of money raised on the stock exchange. I think uh, most uh, raised other than the U.S., but certainly in a number of transactions, Australia is leading So yeah. the world. So it's been really quite phenomenal. And is that, uh, is that mines or uh, mining services? Yeah, look, um, I think uh, I saw one of the medical marijuana companies put away 40-odd million dollars yesterday. Right. Uh, so um, across the board, basically, but... And people are fairly upbeat in in, in Perth. Uh, you know, in, in Melbourne, they're, they're having a terrible time and uh, an actual personal mental health is a serious issue. But I guess, yeah. you know, apart from dealing with Clive Palmer, uh, you guys are... 
are a lot which more is, Which has actually been quite entertaining. The West Australian, I mean, the conduct of the West is appalling, but the, the photos on the front page have been sort of you can't not laugh at them. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, there are some worrying signs, to be honest, mate. You, mm. When you have a government changing the law to prevent a piece of litigation, I mean, that's sort of uh, political risk. It yeah. does not enhance your uh, investment profile internationally. It's I worry about it. And then, of course, we've re recently had in the last week as well uh, the government saying that on-field gas suppliers cannot export their product. Uh, again, you know, government interventions uh, that have yeah, quite much. a significant impact. So, well, Why right? can't they export their products? Uh, because we want to keep the gas in WA so that we're not paying too much because we export so much of it off, we have to pay too much for it to keep it here. And it's yeah, okay. the government saying it's our gas. But it's worrying because the oil and gas sector has been you know, a huge um, um, assistance to the WA economy for decades, invested billions and billions of dollars into the state, yeah. and and now, of course, is going through a very, very tough time, yeah. uh, and they don't need hits from governments. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look, I mean, yeah, there's all that job creation. I, I, you know, in our in our space, we tend not to get uh, to deal directly with the miners, but we deal with a lot of mining services, of course, and we've had clients that have, uh, you know, worked on the, the ocean floor, you know, in the in the oil and gas space and all of that. Okay, look, uh, Brian, Brian, we'll just put you back in the waiting room there and we'll introduce um, our next uh, guest, Deanne Tyndale. G'day, Deanne, how are you? Hi, Nick, how are you? Great to see you. Very well indeed. Uh, Deanne is the CEO of DreamVast Executive Search, uh, specialising in uh, transformation and turnaround executives for private equity. Um, so this is a very interesting niche that you've got carved out. You've been doing that for some time? Yeah, I have. I've been in, in recruitment for 25 years and I've been doing the, the PE and probably special sits in particular for the last decade. Yeah. And what, what, what sort of stuff's been crossing your desk the last little while? Well, it's interesting because I think, um, as Brian said earlier, you know, insolvencies are down, uh, M&A is down. As, as long as that government support is there, you know, there, there's not a real burning platform for a lot of um, PE investment at this stage. So I think the deal flow has slowed considerably. Um, we're expecting, of course, a lot more of that, you know, come March next year. But at the moment um, in WA, it is it is busy and it's the mining that's keeping us up, mining services. You know, I'm doing a couple of roles in, in mining services and small miners and uh, that's the local stuff. Um, yeah. It's a bit quieter, but, you know, it, it'll come. Yeah, and uh, do the do the roles that uh, you get involved with do they are they interim roles or permanent roles or a mixture of both? No, it it, it it's permanent roles. Um, yeah. Certainly, as I said in the in the mining space at the moment, um, a COO role, a CEO role, um, but and whether they're um, private, um, a small ASX or or um, PE held. You know the the next the next three years are, are going to be tough for anybody. So yeah. if you haven't done this kind of stuff before, you need somebody who does. And particularly in the PE space, you know when when they've they've got to buy it, they're going to be looking for somebody who could do significant turnaround. You you don't want a first time CEO doing that. Just say since COVID hit, let's say mm -hmm. we draw a line there. What's been the most common phone call you've had, you know, where people have rung up and, you know, what would be the most common out-of-the-blue question you'd, you'd get? 
the most common job right the most common call that I'm getting right now is uh, I've lost my job and uh, any chance of, of, of helping me out here um, yeah. what can I do to, to, to get into it um, you know P is always going to be busy whether it's up or down um, I deal with a lot of corporates who also you know want to get into the PE space and I think I, I haven't had uh, this many calls from this many executives in a very long time. It reminds me of GFC, you know, post GFC, mm. same sort of thing. It's, it's interesting you say people wanting to get into the PE space. I mean, I guess there is an awful lot of capital around. That, that's that's a discussion for another day, but uh, there's there's no doubt about that. All right, well, look, uh, we'll bring Brian uh, back um, and we might just uh, have a look at cut three. There are rich teams and there are poor teams. Then there's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. Is that does that situation <laughs> look uh, familiar, Brian? <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely me. Well, not that I get compared to Brad. Um, sorry, not is it Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pitt very often, but yes. I guess I'd like to start off by wondering where the engagements come from. I suppose, Brian, in your case, you know, you, you, you're asked to maybe have a look at a distress situation. Um, I, I know. You know, I've got an, a story myself. We were we had a client that was actually funded by an offshore private equity group, and the local execs were absolutely hopeless, uh, in my view. And uh, we we actually got some local accountants to go and have a look. Um, and you know, and, and I said to them, I said, "Look, you're doing an IA for me, but we're also going to present this to the PE guys offshore because they really, you know, they're going to do their dough if they don't change the team." Uh, I mean, are they are they the sorts of? How do you get involved in changing executive teams when you come in from, uh, as, as I guess, the the health checker? Yeah, it's uh, there's a, an interesting spectrum you have to work along there, um, Nick. Uh, from one end where I'm, you know, given some sort of official appointment and effectively given all of the power and control to make the changes, which is clearly very easy in that circumstance. You go in and you cut uh, where needed um, rather ruthlessly, but in the interests of the overall entity and everybody else's jobs. Um, uh, to where you're brought in really to advise and assist a team that clearly isn't up to the, up to speed and, uh, you know, then how do you initiate change in that circumstance, uh, which is a hell of a lot more difficult because, um, you know, particularly in the current market because nobody wants to get out of a job when it's going to be so hard to get into a job. So uh, the, the resistance is high uh, and, um, you know, you've just got to make sure, as you said, you get to the, the actual decision makers the people who control the money and have the ability to make the change to uh, show them why it's got to got to occur and and does that uh, I, I guess you know going in from from that Deanne how, how does your brief change you know are, are, are you briefed by shareholders uh, by the board or by the executive team and and how does that how does that change the way you, you, you go about doing your job Usually, uh, as I said, I deal particularly in the PE space. So you've got the PE fund who's um, just looking at looking at an investee company. So they've got a portfolio company. Um, usually, when they're in the middle of the the deal, uh, I know we've got a you know a hundred mil um, manufacturer or a, or a whatever it is that we're looking for. Um, when the deal's done. I'm I'm running. I've got as quickly as I possibly can to get you know. Usually the CEO 
um, is the first one that goes in. Often if you've just got a, um, a, a pay funds bought in, the people who got the prob- got got you there and got into the problem are not going to be the ones to solve it. So right. you're going to so I've got the brief. Find the one who has you know got the business acumen, the um, people leadership, the industry background, and the experience to do the turnaround. And from there, we then look into the the functional um, roles below that. Um, I'm just interested, Brian, in how you have the conversations. You know, if you're, for example, if you're brought in by by the CEO, or sometimes you might be brought in by the bank, I suppose. I mean, how do you have that conversation with the CEO? That let's say the founding CEO, say it's a founding uh, a founding director that's been their baby for maybe five years. Um, you know, they've brought the business up to a certain level. Um, you know, maybe you want to keep them on because they've got a good rolodex and they may be really good at sales, but they're just rubbish at, at everything else. You've hit a couple of different points there that I'll address. I'll come back to your founder one because that is quite interesting and I've encountered that many times over my career. But often I'm brought in at the, from the board level, so the board will bring me in and uh, it's very helpful. The higher up the chain you are that you get brought in, the more uh, clout you have to deal with the issues. So, um, uh, And then it's a case of, you know, going in and doing the appropriate assessment of the parties, but I totally agree with Deanne that, uh, you know, 99 out of 100 times the, the group that got them to that circumstance where they're consulting with me um, yeah. uh, are not going to be the group that's going to get them out of it. I'll just stop you there for a second because um, we do have some footage of you. Uh, it's cut to footage of you going into a, an engagement and just uh, cleaning out the existing team. Jesse, I'll be bed. I've been great. I'm back, and you're fired. Is it? Was that you? <laughs> the less subtle version, yeah. Uh, in in a way, yeah. Yeah, no. But when I'm doing this, I do like to say I am very sympathetic and empathetic to the circumstances of the parties on the other side because I right. realise, you know, that uh, it's not. It's often not from a lack of significant effort and a lot of stress on their part that they're in that circumstance and that, you know, there's nothing good about what's been going to transpire. But yeah. so, uh, although, yeah, it's easy to make videos like that one, which sort of does summarise it too well. Um, yeah. The uh, founders, yeah, look, I, I call them the crazy inventors because uh, often like, that's been the case. They're the inventors or the, the brainstorm behind the brilliant idea that's got the whatever the business is up and running. And uh, sometimes, you know, they've actually had some very good ideas, but um, they are often not the party to take it and commercialise the, the the idea going forward. Yeah. Um, and sidelining them, I'm, I'm probably on a 50-50 uh, uh, return rate on that one. Right. Um, okay. To be completely honest with you, it is, yeah. you know, they, they have to, often because they do control a massive amount of the ownership, uh, and you know they are—they live and breathe it. That's their baby. So um, convincing them that they are not the right person to take it forward is never an easy task. Yeah. So uh, you know, don't ever underestimate that one. That's um, one of the real but, challenges, isn't it? In the in the in the sort of um, middle market or, or the small and medium space, it's one thing to you know to uh, you know to come into Virgin or into a large publicly listed company and just wipe the board out and start again. Um, but you know, when the board is the you know the the the, the, the you know she or he who started the business, it's 
It's a different mm. proposition, isn't it? Yeah, I often say, Nick, that uh, the the larger the corporate that I'm dealing with, it, it's usually much easier. They're, they're more sophisticated at every level, including you know, the senior management teams. They, they know. They understand yeah. what's going on in so many ways. They've seen it all. They realise their shortcomings often as well. And uh, they don't want to hear them, but necessarily yeah. that, uh, you know, they're not, they're not fools. And, and, and Deanne, uh, have you got anything to add to that on the on the sort of founder problem? Yeah, I, 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 I Brian, I, I feel for you. Um, particularly those founders, as you say, who put their life and soul into it. You know, it, it is it, it's another one of their children. Um, very often, they've spent their life for it, um, working for this for this company, and you know, missed out on kids and wives and all sorts of occasions, and they've put oh. their business. First and now they're told, you know, no thanks, we don't need you anymore. I think one of the things that, um, you know, I come from a, a counselling background, so one of the things I think it's really important then is to be able to, you know, deal with them heart to heart and, um, you know, go back to what it is that, you know, why they started this and, and what it is that they really wanted to achieve. And it's it's often a case of, well, I wanted to, be able to, you know, look after my wife and, and have a nice life when we're older and, you know, reminding them of that and getting them out to that and giving them the option that, you know, you can get there is sometimes a little, makes it a little bit easier if you can start looking at another vision and going back to where they started. I was listening to something, a uh, podcast this morning and they were saying, uh, you, you, you've got to have the right balance of empathy. If you've got too much empathy, you know, you're not going to be making decisions for the right purpose. If you don't have any empathy, of course, you're a sociopath, and that's yeah. that's a problem as well. Just sort of moving on to the kind of characteristics that, you know, that, that you look for in a special sit, say, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, are you looking for uh, track record? Is it Rolodex? Um, is it industry vertical experience? What, what, what What's the yeah. normal brief you get? Yes, it's all of those things. Um I mean, fundamentally, what you're looking for is ideally a CEO who's who's done it before because, you know, special sits, you, you can't have a first-time CEO or if you do, they've got to be something pretty amazing out of the box. Um, fundamentally, you've got to have somebody who is really, really knows their numbers and is data-driven decision-making because... Right. Yes, you've got to have um, extraordinary people leadership because what you're trying to do is to, you know, increase productivity 30%, not not reduce or well, take cost out 30%. You've got to be doing both and you've got to be taking the good people with you. So I always say that what I'm looking for is somebody who's got a head for business and a heart for the people. Yeah. Um, so you've got to have both. You've got to have energy. Um, there's also got to be, a, you know, I kind of look for head, heart and the other part. Right. And the other part is the courage piece. Right. Because turnaround specialists is, is tough stuff. Um, yeah. you know, you've, you've got a PE fund who's looking to, you know, do at least three times money uh, in three years. I mean, may not be quite the case up post-COVID, yeah. uh, but you're looking for them to come up with a business that is worth significantly more in a very short period of time, which yep. means you've got to have every single piece working, whether that's, um, you know, your sales and marketing, your, your um, operating systems, all that. But yep. also now what you're needing is somebody who has the ability 
to bring um, the, the IT, the innovation, the digital piece, the thinking from other industries into this industry, new ideas. Because um, so what we really are looking for is, is, is really the, the, the cream of the cream to be, to be the CEOs and PE. Look, I'll ask you in a minute about uh, how I get myself on that short list, but what do you think, Brian, when it comes to finding the right person? Because um, it's, it's never a perfect world, <laughs> particularly when I'm walking in uh, assisting, um, either yeah. formally or informally. Um, and uh, so it's usually a blend that, uh, you know, there's a lot of intellectual property that I don't want to lose within the organisation uh, that right. can be critical. Uh, so you know, selecting those that are going to be uh, of assistance in that and then trying to supplement it with clearly where, where the missing holes are. And the first step, that's ordinarily where my team and I will step in and, right. uh, you know, be, make the more data-driven, difficult uh, calls, uh, point out the, you know, you know those issues. I, I, I was having this discussion over lunch with a friend of mine recently, you know, it, as I get older, it seems to be getting easier to have those more robust conversations, but doing it in a nice manner. Yeah. But, you know, the reality is the conversations have to be had and we're not doing anybody any favours by not holding them, let alone the person, you know, least of all the party that you need to be holding that conversation with. So having those discussions about performance uh, and um, what needs to be done uh, and bringing everybody along on that journey and, uh, you know, People will then come to the realization that they're going to work or they're not. So yeah, it's it's, it's a blend of things. As I said, sometimes you know, I try and keep as many as I can within there. Noting, of course, earlier comments by Deanne and myself that yeah. most of that team is probably going to be placed out, replaced. I've got another clip here of someone, uh, a famous uh, CEO, uh, bringing in other outsiders. Uh, clip one. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. <laughs> Deanne, what, uh, do you ever recruit on the basis that, you know, that you, you bring in a person and, and they can bring in other people around them as well? Is that ever part of it? Yeah. I, I particularly um, going to, um, Brian was saying earlier, you know, you want somebody who's, they've, they've already done a lot of the uh, the tough stuff and that's that's often the way. You know, if I'm going to be bringing somebody in, often they might be three months um, you know, uh, after um, the acquisition. So a lot of the really tough stuff, getting out of leases, fixing banks, doing all that sort of stuff has been done. But really what you, you're looking for is the rebuild. So yeah. you've got the, you know, you want somebody who ideally has been in this industry before, has got the runs on the board, you know, they know the way this industry works. Um, they know the way that particular market is. Ideally, they've done PE before, so they, you know, PE can be tough taskmasters. You want, you don't want them to be doing that for the first time, yeah. ideally. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the thing is also um, when they come from that particular market, they know who the players are. They, it's not going to take them six months to to get the runs on the board. They already know who's who in the zoo and the way that it's going to work. Yeah. And often, yes, you're going to have functional herbs who they're comfortable with, whether it's a COO or the you know the salesperson or whatever. Um, 
Really, though, what you're looking for is the team that together, I mean, you know, it's that classic case of what do we really need? What's the, what's the vision? What's the strategy that we're going after? Who are the people? What are the spots that we've got? And the gap analysis, go find them. Mm-hmm. I, I know, interestingly enough, at a um, PE conference in New York a couple of years ago, um, one of the partners of, I think it was uh, General Atlantic, um, you know, 34 billion um, uh, assets under management, and they had done a review of 10 years of their um, portfolio companies. And they said when they uh, changed over CEO and usually about 60% of the exec team within the first year, they made on average three times better return than if they waited till second or third year. Is that right? Yeah, so so cut early and cut often, but uh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Okay, well, well, look, um, let's say uh, I'll ask this first to Brian, and then I'll, I'll come to to you, Deanne. Um, I was saying a bit earlier, I've seen scenarios where people have looked at M and A deals uh, that are also turnarounds. So it's an M and A and a turnaround, um, and um, They've said, listen, we'll, we'll we'll be happy to outlay the 10 million or 20 million, whatever it is, to buy this business. But we're only going to do it if we can get the right CEO going in. We're not going to buy it and then try and find the right person. And they've found the person. They know who it is. And uh, it might be, you know, someone who, uh, some talented person in, in one of the accounting firms or something that they go. And, and they've approached the person and, and they say, listen, I'm already getting paid plenty of money. Uh, you know, my wife's just had a baby. You know, how do you how do you go about prizing them away from those cushy roles to take on you know to get involved in something that's that's a mess, albeit there might be upside. But how do you how do you sort of have that conversation? This is one for Deanne. It's sell the dream, isn't it? But but it's also remuneration packages. Ultimately, right. that you you give them some skin in the game. You give them some uh, you know where they can truly see themselves benefiting from their performance in a yeah. way that's more substantial than their going to get in the current and also you know hopefully uh, if it is the right person you're appealing to their um desire for further growth you know that yeah. this is a, a really a, a step in your career that's going to lift you again uh, and take you much further to, to better places so it's, it's i don't know there's a combination i think around those i must admit that you know sometimes if you've got to woo somebody too much um, it, it's a bit of a worry as well. Yeah. Yeah, they've got to yeah. they've got to want it. Um, yeah. what, what do you think, Dan? I mean, you, I'm sure you must have had uh, many a time when you've had to prize someone away from the you know from the the warm, cosy position that they're in. Absolutely, and and I couldn't agree with Brian more. I mean, you know, money is always a, a big factor. Um, you know, if 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 P boys are trying to get a corporate person, you know, that's almost an easy. It's almost an easy pitch, um, right? Because what you're talking with a with a corporate is, it, it can be very structured. It can be, you know, you're having to deal with the governance of an ASX or something, which I, I don't know that there's any CEO out there who enjoys that. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got all the the shareholder, you know, roadshows, all that sort of stuff. Not as exciting. Um, when you're doing turnaround PE stuff, you know, you're working incredibly closely with some of the smartest minds uh, in in the Australian business place. There is that significant growth that Brian spoke about. 
but also it's exciting. I mean, you know, you're you're working in businesses and it's up to you to change them. It's up to you to make a difference. One of the things, you know, I was sorry just to, to go on this one. Um, one person, one leader, I always think about this when, you know, this is my big why. When you're putting in the wrong leader, people aren't seen, they're not heard, businesses go down, businesses fail. Mm-hmm. When you put the right leader in, people are seen, they're heard, and they feel good about themselves. Now, one person impacts 70 people, whether that's family, friends, uh, people in their street, neighbourhood, whatever. So if you've got 100 people that you're responsible for as CEO, there's 7,000 people who are affected by how you turn up every day. Yeah. So often, you know, if, if you're thinking about the bigger picture and the impact that you can have on that business, that's where you get them excited. It's about, you know, what is it that you really want to do and what what's your legacy? And this is where they can really get it. Yeah, look, I mean, we could talk all about, you know, pe- particularly getting people out of those corporate environments. So I think you can be in a corporate environment for too long. You know, but but that's a discussion for another day because I think you, you, you lose a bit of match fitness there. So one thing I really do want to get to, and I'll start with you, Deanne, and then I'll come to you, Brian, is, um, is uh, okay, I, I've... I've built up my CV, I fancy myself as a bit of an interim CEO, how do I get a gig? What have I got to do? Well, at the end of the day, there are people like me who specialise in that space and I always like to, with my candidates, um, any candidate in the first hour will tell you what they've done and, and how good they are. You want to have the next half hour conversation, which is who they are, you know, what's really important to them. And when you've got that, um, you know, candidates, recruiters like me will put you up. Um, It's all through networks. It's all through, um, you know, getting in front of those people, getting in front of your contacts who are in the PE space, going to conferences, going to, you know, things like this so that you understand what's going on in this space. If you haven't done it before and, and you want to know who the players are, then... Hermes Capital lunch lunch money is a great place. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we certainly we certainly try and get across the sector. Well, what do you think, Brian? I'm sure in your role, you you must uh, like me. I, I get phone calls all the time. People saying, or, or you know, people contact me on LinkedIn and say, "Listen, I'm I'm out of work. I, have you got any interim roles for me? Do you get that that call?" Yeah, I get that often as well. So lots of people approach me to say, you know, I'm currently looking for something you know my skill set so networks are obviously very important you've you know, worked with people you've seen what they can do and you can assess where they come from from there um yeah like i'm probably the uh, the opposite end to deanne she's putting them in i'm taking them out so. <laughs> and when we were talking a little bit before we came on um uh mentoring you get you get involved in a fair bit of mentoring brian yeah, um, I mentioned to Nick earlier, Deanne, that it seems to be coming with age. The older you get, it seems to just gravitate towards you. People seem to look at you as a mentor, which is quite strange. Sometimes. Why would they think that? But, um, yes, it, it is happening more and more and more. And, uh, you know, I often find some of my roles are almost just hand-holding the CEO and, you know, giving them confidence that they're making the right decisions, that they're communicating messages correctly, you know, just as a sounding board uh, yeah. because, you know, it can be a very lonely position at the top and having people that you trust that you can just run ideas past. And, and I've said it all through my career, often the process of articulating a problem 
you solve it in your own mind. You usually you already have the answer nine out of ten times. You know where you should go, but it's just that I certainly find articulating it, it helps me a lot, and it seems to help a lot of others. So uh, yeah, so that's sort of where the mentoring sort of comes in a lot. And and Deanne, um, I'm just wondering, uh, do you uh, do you ever sort of put put a CEO into a position and say, look, we'll we'll put you know, uh, Sue or Fred into this role um, and just, you know, but we'll give them a set of training wheels and we'll bring in, we'll have a mentor, you know, whether it's Brian or someone like that. So, you know, we'll, we'll give them some mentorship. Is that is that, is that is that something that happens? Yeah, so certainly as one of the value adds that I do in my business is I give 12 months coaching. Um, right. The So I put the, the executive in and then I'm there as the backup, if you like. Yeah. Um, so it's a monthly call for the next 12 months to make sure that they're being focused not only on the targets that the uh, owners have set, but also that they're okay emotionally because, as Brian said, you know, it's it's lonely at the top. So to have somebody who is only interested in their well-being and their success, um, I'm there just, just to make sure that, you know, they're okay head, heart and, and business-wise. Because the other thing I'd add is that... Um a whole different line of discussion as well, but having the right board supporting them. Because, again, if you've got a good chairman that's in a, in a constructively, um, um, you know, constructively reviewing but being of assistance, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. that can help a lot to a, a managing director. And uh, so having that additional support that uh, can be really important, make sure you get your board right. If the if the board's big enough and there's a good chair, the chair sort of can play that that mentoring type role. Uh, it's interesting you say it's it's lonely at the top. Uh, you know, I've, I've 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 said you know I must be at the top because it's awfully bloody lonely. Yeah, uh, you don't you know when you get to a certain position, you know you don't want to you want to be careful who you ask advice. You don't want to show weakness and uh, and all of those things. So I think it is very important to have someone. It's interesting that you provide uh, uh, that. Nick, I must be older than you then, mate, because I, I'm starting to give up on that now. I'm just uh, just telling it the way it is. I don't care anymore. See my weaknesses. I don't care. So you're, you're sort of in your dressing gown and yelling, get off my lawn, all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Not quite that bad, no. All right. Well, look, um, unbelievably, we're actually uh, we, we're out of time. It's been a really fun discussion and very interesting, and it's been a great, uh, a great perspective on the special situation. I'll ask you, if you any, any sort of final thoughts you'd like to throw in? No, just um, everybody look after yourself and look after the people around you. Um, all that, all the stuff about mental health right now, just take care of each other. Yeah, and I, I'll add to that. Uh, I'm a big believer in staying as physically healthy as I possibly can. That uh, that helps my mental health health as well. So uh, absolutely, you know, if it's just about money, put it in perspective. Yeah. Fantastic. Great advice. All right. Well, look, on that note, uh, again, I've really enjoyed today. It was fantastic. Really enjoyed uh, having you both. It was a really interesting discussion. And uh, thank you very much to, uh, to all of our viewers. Uh, and uh, just a reminder that you can, uh, you can listen to us uh, on, on your favourite podcasting platform or watch us again on YouTube. So thank you very much, Deanne and Brian, and uh, see you later. Cheers.